do not handle, do not taste, do not touch. In Colossians 2, the Apostle Paul says that these regulations are made up by man and won't keep you from the infection of sin. But similar rules might protect you from virus infections. What do we think about these rules when a vaccine comes along? And how do we respond to changing views on wearing masks? And how does this whole mask and vaccine debate map pretty much perfectly onto Christian debates about infections in fiction? Welcome again to Fantastical Truth. Oh, sorry, I have to take my mask off. Welcome again to Fantastical Truth, the podcast from Lorehaven, in which we find the best of Christian-made fantasy, science fiction, and beyond. And we apply the meaning, the wonders, the beauties of these stories to our real world in which Jesus has called us to serve. I'm E. Stephen Burnett, and I publish Lorehaven.com, and I've also co-written a book called The Pop Culture Parent, Helping Kids Engage Their World for Christ. And I'm Zachary Russell. You can call me Zach, and I am fully vaccinated. I'm happy to share that fact. And uh, this is episode 64, Should Christians Mask Up or Get Vaccines to Prevent Fiction Infections? So yes, we are going to talk about fiction. It's not just going to be all about the debate du jour about masks and vaccines. And so this is going to be a fun discussion, Stephen. Masks as a means to the meaning behind them. That's our theme here. You can go on to maybe dozens of political podcasts to engage the to mask or not mask debate. Uh, any of your pet conspiracies about the vaccine, uh, those will not find a home here. Uh, instead, uh, we're going to focus it specifically on biblical faith and fantastic imagination, as is our want at lorehaven.com, which last week has been featuring amazing articles. I'm particularly happy about uh, the content we had there. During the last week, uh, the, the Monday article started off with part three of my discerning biblical fiction series. It was titled, How Great Biblical Fiction Adds Extra Biblical Images Yet Honors God's Word. And as we record this, of course, uh, because they knew it was going to happen in our last podcast episode, the top trending headlines are something like, The Pentagon Strongly Suspects Aliens Exist and We've Got the Evidence. There are many more former military officials, political leaders, past and present, folks who seem to know what they're talking about, going on about how these videos of the little objects hovering in space and diving into the sea and all of that sort of anti-physics, technologically advanced nonsense. Uh, apparently that was real the whole time. So plot twist, pandemic in 2020, aliens in 2021. Is that how <laughs> it's shaping up? Well, either way, here at Lorehaven, we want to help believers think biblically about this topic, whether it's future technology in the present or aliens, who knows? So be sure to check out our last podcast, episode 63, Did God Create Aliens and Would Jesus Need to Save Them? After we recorded that, uh, Zach and I talked and we realized we almost have a mini-series within the Fantastical Truth podcast series, so we decided to group all three of those episodes so far into a mini-series called Armies of the Aliens, so we posted a news item about that. You can find all these links in the show notes. Uh, we also posted, uh, switching back to fantasy, Marion Jacobs uh, wrote an article engaging with the recent Snow White Kisses the Prince, or rather he kisses her when she wasn't aware of it controversy. And that article is called Mirror, Mirror on the Wall, Did Snow White Consent After All? And then on Thursday, we posted another news item, which we'll allude to in just a moment. Uh, Lorehaven is rejoining Realmakers Bookstore in uh, the last weekend of May at the FPEA Homeschool Conference. Stay tuned for details about that. And then on Friday, we posted our review of Hunter's Moon about a college student turned werewolf. And if you're listening to this episode on its release day Tuesday, uh, just yesterday, we posted the fourth and I think final uh, article in my discerning biblical fiction series. Stephen, I just now put it together in my mind why aliens didn't become a big topic until this year. It's because last year, a pandemic was spreading around and, if, and these aliens have surely watched the Tom Cruise War of the Worlds where, you know, this That's unstoppable, true. unbeatable, super advanced species was beaten by bacteria. And that was uh, kind of the deus machina that happened at the very end, that they all just got the cold and then died. Thanks, uh, you know, Tom Cruise basically did nothing to stop them. It was all, and actually the narrator even says it was planned by God, that he planned this way before they planned to invade. Well, that's not originally with uh, Tom Cruise or Steven Spielberg. It's originally the H.G. Wells novel, War right. of the War, uh, War Between the Worlds, War of the Worlds. Father, right. I just mangled that title. 
Uh, that's where <laughs> that original idea came from. That's a rather, rather famous ending there. So the, the aliens, them aliens have known for at least a century since that book's publication uh, that earth bacteria is lethal. Yeah. I think H.G. Wells knew more than he was willing to let on. Uh, he actually had met the professor and used the time machine and he knew that the, the Martians were out there and was uh, putting this book out as a, a bit of a, uh, a bit of a yellow tape around the earth. Caution, do not enter. In fact, the original Doctor Who was H.G. Wells protecting the earth from aliens. New fan theory, spread it around. Yeah, well, that, that could be a great new conspiracy theory. You know, don't take the vaccine because it's actually being developed by the aliens so that there's, there's no sicknesses going around when they arrive and they can obliterate us. You know, that would be, that'd be kind of a fun angle to take. Uh, all right, well, this week we've got a sponsored segment. So next weekend, Lorehaven arrives in Orlando for requesting with our Realm Makers bookstore allies. So the Realm Makers bookstore will share its worlds of novels by Christian authors, fantasy, sci-fi, and beyond at the Florida Parent Educators Association, which is May 27th through 29th in Orlando. The bookstore will host several award-winning creators of Christian-made fantastical tales. The in-person guests include Phil Lawler and Katie Lee with Adventures in Odyssey. Also, fantasy authors James Hannibal, Matt Michelotis, uh, sci-fi author Steve Raza, author Rebecca P. Miner, and director of Realmaker Scott Miner will be at the bookstore. And Steven's going to be joining them to sign his book, Pop Culture Parent, and they'll be signing their books, and there will be a great panel discussion there. Steven's going to explore why do your kids need fantastic stories for Christ's glory, and also, what's the point of popular culture and why should parents care? So if you are a listener in Orlando, we highly encourage you to go check this out. If you're anywhere else in Florida and you can get there, this is a great time to go meet all these authors, meet Stephen, and hear some great discussions on these topics. I think they may even let you in if you're not a homeschool parent. Technically, I am not a homeschool parent, but I don't mind if they know that. I do have kids in the house now, so... Uh, it's effectively homeschooling because, of course, the restrictions on the pandemic, even here in open-minded, open-market Texas, for a while, uh, they were encouraging students to pursue remote learning. Uh, and so a couple of a uh, couple of teenagers we have in the house have been doing that since August, and then even before uh, they were joining us, a foster-type situation there. So it has felt like homeschooling with the cheat code, I must say. So I get to reclaim that bit of my past and also bring that into the future with events like this. I'm really looking forward to exploring these topics and uh, meeting a lot of folks uh, whom I've not met before or met only remotely. And of course, uh, having a couple of uh, the Adventures and Odyssey creators there going back to my own childhood is going to be a, a fascinating experience for sure. So today we're going to talk about what has been our recent experience with plagues, masks, and vaccines. And how do plagues, masks, vaccines rhyme with sin, the law, and the gospel, and grace? What are the connections there that you know these uh, kind of surface issues sort of point to? And then how do we apply these real-life parables to the quote-unquote viruses in fantastic fiction and sort of the, the mindsets that can creep in when we crack open a book or want to talk about a book or share about a particular fandom? A lot of contagious ideas that go around, and so we want to be on guard against those as well. First, we'll take a brief detour by the concession stand. If you have your full bucket of popcorn, just hold it up to the dispenser and push the lever and try to get out that nasty butter sauce and uh, see if it can even sink down to that lower layer of popcorn. Just a few quick concessions. Needless to say, uh, as we've previously mentioned, we're not going into theories or conspiracies or debates about the vaccines or the mask policies or any of those things in the United States. Just within the past few weeks, as we record, our uh, CDC, uh, this, uh, the Centers for Disease Control, finally said, yes, if you're vaccinated, statistically, you don't have to wear a mask. And if those who, for some reason, don't want to get vaccinated or haven't gotten vaccinated yet, we strongly encourage you to wear the mask. But if you have been vaccinated, you can basically do anything you want. No more masks required. So that's the context that we're speaking into now. Uh, who knows? You know, maybe in the summer, everything goes completely downhill again, and this episode will not age well. But that's the context that we're speaking into now. Uh, we're also going to avoid ranting about the usefulness or uselessness of quarantine policy. Others cover that stuff. Switch over to your favorite political podcast. If you want to rant about that, we shall avoid such. Also, uh, we have varying personalities and needs about all of this. Like even between 
Zach and I, we have looked at this a little bit differently just based on our personal needs, our work availability, the types of jobs and talents and health needs that we have. And so do you, every single individual listener out there, you are a world unto yourself. Uh, that is the difficulty of coming up with laws or policies from a super top-down level for a country of hundreds of millions of people, uh, much less a world of six billion plus people. Uh, there's no way that one rule can possibly uh, address every need that everybody has. Also, the analogy we're doing here is a little bit tricky. When you start comparing sin, which is a spiritual condition the scripture calls being dead in transgressions and sins, you start comparing that to illness, you can run into uh, limitations on the analogy pretty quick. Uh, the Bible refers to sin as this toxic spiritual condition that has killed and will kill you until Jesus brings you back to life as a supernatural act of mercy based in the love and choice of God. Disease can be cured or held back by human means. And obviously the vaccine is not 100% effective. It's certainly not going to guarantee you um, immortality. So the analogies have limits and be aware that we're aware of that. Finally, uh, the sin viruses or the, the death condition, whatever, that zombie disease of sin comes from within ourselves. It is not something that we catch from a corrupt world, uh, whereas uh, the coronavirus is lurking out there in the world and we do catch it from outside. That's another limit on the analogy. All right. So our first section here is what are our recent experiences with plagues, masks, and vaccines? So I'm going to share two quick stories that I think really help you, our listener, kind of just take you on a little journey of where I've been with all this. So uh, at the very beginning of this, I was very cautious, especially because at the very beginning, we were told, oh, you know, this is just in another country. It can't come here. It's not airborne. You just need to wash your hands. You know, there was just a lot of conflicting messages. And I just in my own imagination, I'm like, I... I'm going to be a little more cautious because maybe they're wrong about this. And so very early on in March, I decided I'm just going to start working from home. So I, I work uh, behind a computer most of the day. And so this was not too big of a problem. I was able to go to my office, grab all my gear, bring it home. But I'll tell you, Stephen, I still remember that day very clearly of making sure I could time it to go in my office when no one else was there because I I couldn't get a mask at that time. <laughs> mask it all sold out. And so I'm like, I don't have any protection if anyone else is there and they're sick and apparently you can spread it before you're contagious. You know, it was all those kind of early thoughts. It was like I was trying to grab everything while the ship was going down. There there was that sense of like desperation almost of like, I better get all my stuff and and I may never come back here again. And I haven't. Like I I have not worked in my office since then. I've worked from home. And so that was uh, that was a very weird transition. But then working from home, hey, I'm very blessed to get to do that. It's definitely had its challenges. But then fast forward a couple months, I had had enough of staying isolated. I'm an extrovert, like all the way. <laughs> so I told a couple of my friends, hey, let's go hang out. We can grab some ice cream or coffee or something and then just go hang out at this park. And we all had to wear masks. You couldn't even go in the business. They would actually come out to you. And they put their, their menu right by the window so you could order from outside, basically. You had to call them, and then they'd bring it to you. So that was a really weird experience. And my, my two friends, Josh and David, you know, we got what we wanted, and then it, then it hit me. It's like, oh, wait, I can't eat ice cream <laughs> with a mask on. So I guess I just won't get anything. Now, I'll tell you, our listener, you know, I don't uh, tell us to everyone, but I am type 2 diabetic. And so that to me was the underlying concern. That was a risk factor that I've had this whole time. And so when I sat down uh, with my two friends and they took off their masks to eat their ice cream and I looked around and there was other picnic tables of people doing the same thing. It was the weirdest feeling ever. And what was going through my mind was this sense of, I, I should just take off my mask too and, and not be a, a weirdo. Like, I, I don't want to make my friends uncomfortable, but then I'm like, but this is really making me uncomfortable. And, but I don't want to fixate on it because I just want to have fun with them and, and hang out and shoot the breeze. But now I'm fixated on it and it's all I can think about. <laughs> so later that night, Josh calls me and he's like, Hey, you seem really out of it tonight. Is everything okay? And so I, yeah, explain this whole thought process. And so, Hey, to you, our listener, I, I totally get it. If you've come from the same category, 
that this has been a very trying year with these issues and not really being certain if you're safe. But also there's that social aspect of, I don't want to cause a scene. I I don't want to cause conflict with others. And it's, you know, there's a lot of these core idols that we can run into. There's the, the power, the control, comfort, approval, and pretty much all of these can come out in these situations. Probably in that situation there, you can probably see all four of those struggles I was having. So this year has been so murky with all of these conflicts. And again, like I said, with all of the mixed messaging that we're receiving all the time. So, hey, if you've made it this far in my story, thank you. But also, if you've made it this far in this year and you've not lost your mind with all this, way to go and tell me your secrets how you've not lost your mind. I have had a few methods of trying to hang on to sanity during all of this. And I think my my chief most method for my part is a, a, a chronic affliction that I have of always trying to look for the meaning in something. Now, of course, this can go too far. You can end up being this esoteric, egg-headed, you know, never-leaves-the-ivory-tower type who's constantly poring over books and not engaging with the real world. In fact, I suspect that uh, if there's a parallel dimension, Earth 2 Professor E. Stephen Burnett is that guy. Uh, <laughs> and God forbid that's what I turn into now, on or off the podcast. At the same time, a little of that helps me a bit. You know, I've run through a few thought exercises about this thing, uh, the pandemic restrictions and masks in particular, and have constantly been asking myself, well, what is the meaning of this? And some people jump to that and they specifically go for the meaning of they're trying to get me to cover up my face. They're trying to steal my identity. Uh, Whereas the opposing view might be they're trying to steal my life. If we don't wear masks, then this virus is going to get loose and it's going to mutate and get worse. And it's going to start killing people even outside of the, the folks who are more vulnerable to it. And they're fearful for their lives. Whereas people who don't want to wear the masks are fearful for their identities and their freedoms. So you've got, I would say, two legitimate sets of concerns here. And again, in Earth 2, where I'm in my ivory tower reading textbooks, it could have been entirely flip-flopped in terms of American partisan politics, which is fascinating to think about. Uh, That's the novelist brain going off there. So that's how I've been coping with it, is, is looking for the meaning there and trying very hard and I hope I've done this overall successfully, but I suppose only the people around me know for sure. I've tried very hard to apply the gospel to this topic. I mean, some Christians and particularly some evangelical thought leaders, they will basically stop short or sounds like they're stopping short by saying, love your neighbor, wear the mask. That leaves far too much unsaid. Uh, There are Mm -hmm. local contexts. There are different vulnerabilities. There are different legitimate concerns. There are examples of fake news and conspiracies out there, uh, but not just on the don't wear the mask side. There are also conspiracies on the you must wear the mask. In fact, you must wear it always side. However, you as a Christian respond to this is going to be entirely dependent on your context. And of course, wherever you go, your context is going to be uh, different. If you go on the internet, that's one context. If you go to local church, that's another. Grocery store, another. Your family, another. Family reunion, a Thanksgiving meal last November, another context. All of these add up and overlap and it gets confusing and nuanced and there's no way we can go over all that uh, in the podcast. I have myself struggled to avoid hating the mask idea, Mm -hmm. particularly because of the symbols that are loaded into it. But at that point, I have to listen to my own previous rants about this topic. If masks are like the spiritual style rules that people use to try to protect themselves either apart from the gospel or within the gospel, then I need to try to respect that. I've got to respect people's legitimate weakness, but then I also need to respect when people think they have a weakness, even if they might not, then that feeling is real. You know, maybe the rationale they use for it is not correct, but the feeling is real. And I've got to try to respect that. When they start trying to control you, though, then that's when it gets a lot murkier. For my part, though, at least as we're recording this, uh, just yesterday, I went to three locations, Walmart, another store, and a barbershop. And in none of those locations was I compelled to wear a mask. And it was awesome. I got to say, it was awesome. I'm sorry to report. uh, I did not get any uh, dirty looks from people. I didn't get some, uh, you know, angry person running up screaming, where's your mask at? 
none of that happened to me. So I'm afraid that angry rant on social media is just going to have to wait. I really wish people wouldn't get angry with each other about this. Mm -hmm. If everyone in the world was somehow a Christian, but uh, also had viruses still going on, then hopefully we would be dealing with this better. But I kind of doubt it. Well, and now we're in a different context. Like you said, we're, we're in the post-vaccine context. Like I've had my vaccine now and, and it's put me in these really interesting situations where, so I, I had this kind of rule all along that we have to have charity either way. Yes. I'm not going to be an anti-masker or a forever masker. If there's a situation where no one's masked and I don't feel comfortable, I'm just not going to go there. And, but if I'm in a smaller setting and I can talk to the people and say, Hey, would, would you mind wearing a mask? And if they say yes, that's that's great. You know, I'm not going to force it either way, basically. But now that I've been vaccinated, I'm like, yeah, okay, I, I don't need a mask now. But now I've been on the other side of it where just a week ago I was at a birthday party. Uh, several people showed up masked. Uh, one of the hosts was masked. And so I just said, oh, would you like me to wear this? And he's like, no, it's okay if you don't. And I'm like, really? It's okay? And he's good, like, yes. Good, Oh, that's wonderful. Yeah, and I, I thought that that was a win-win, right? Because we have to be sensitive to where other people are, and then we have to be charitable on the, on the other way. And so it it really made me appreciate for a minute. Uh, like I said, when my friend Josh called me, he's like, "Hey, w- was that okay? Like, was that too weird of a situation for you?" You know, I, I think that's the real key. You know, the key is well, all you need is love, and I I think that's what often gets missed in this. But I, I realize too that I've come from another context, which is that both Naomi and I have lived in Asia. And in, in East Asia, wearing a mask has, has been a, a normative thing in a lot of dif- different situations. If there's a high ozone day or if you are personally sick and, you know, they, they have more of a collectivist mindset of like, hey, everyone should just wear a mask because the air quality is really bad today. Or, hey, if you're sick, wear a mask so you don't spread it to others at the office because they're, in some countries there's just not a sense of taking a sick day. There is, you must go to work for 12 hours and, hey, just wear a mask so you don't make anyone else sick. And so these have been cultural norms in other places that have not necessarily been cultural norms here. So with that, it's like for Naomi and I, no big deal. Like this is what we had to get used to living there. But what we realized that is not a common mindset here. That's a new paradigm here. So again, I, I wasn't going to be this, you know, mask Karen, which I'm sorry to use that term. I know that's a loaded term, but I'm not going to be this forever masker because this is a new thing for a lot of people. And look, the key is charity and the key is yeah, freedom. So, Amen. And, and that overlaps with, uh, with our next point here. How do plagues and masks and vaccines rhyme is the term I'm going to use. How do these rhyme with sin, the law and gospel grace? And as I mentioned earlier, I think with obviously a few exceptions to the allegory, uh, these terms map very neatly uh, together. Plagues are like sin, or the the virus is like sin. Masks are like the law. And if you will, the vaccine can be likened to uh, the grace of the gospel. Uh, Once the perfect comes, we could say you can find that the imperfect means of grace, uh, the law has, has been fulfilled. There is no need to go back to the law. And for most people in this allegorical sense, there's apparently no need to go back to the mask. So when I clarify, of course, earlier, I probably would have been, frankly, I would have been tempted to start foregoing my mask anyway, even if I had not been vaccinated, but I have been vaccinated. I got through the waiting period and everything. Just had one day of symptoms, by the way. It was just a, uh, a sense of profound weariness throughout the day. And it was not usual. Uh, it was a it was a Lorehaven day. It was an editing day. I still knocked out five or six chapters of my novel manuscript, so that was pretty good for being uh, being under the vaccine side effects. And then actually, the day I got the vaccine, I just went back to work on my day job. My manager was very impressed, but I didn't have any side effects except for a little arm soreness. And then actually, some outdoor work is uh, pretty pretty healthy for that. Anyway, so definitely, yeah, get vaccinated, folks, unless, of course, you have some weakness or uncertainty that may be legitimate. So we're not a health podcast, obviously, but uh, I do want to encourage that. You you can at least talk to your doctor. Yeah, talk to your doctor. Just ask your doctor. Uh, Just ask your doctor. You know, this program does not constitute uh, uh, expert legal or health uh, healthcare advice. You know, please follow all local ordinances and business policies (laughs) in the district of your choice. Moving on the, the rhyming effect here. 
just to, just a note too, a quick a quick extra grab from the concession stand. Uh, we're not just trying to avoid legalism here. Uh, that's a big fact in my thinking is that Christians are not all about don't be a legalist. That itself is a legalism. Uh, we're about trying to be biblical proactively and follow Jesus, our Savior. So to go over this, the, just the analogy real quick here. The virus is real and sin is also real. Both of these are dangerous and both can kill you. And of course, in Christian theology, sin will kill you. It is a congenital condition. You are born with it. Uh, until somebody takes it away, it will always be with you. And so far as we know, masks are effective against the virus. Generally, there's obviously exceptions, but these are, can be compared to the original law of God. God gave his law as a means of helping people understand and deal with their sin. So I think you can compare both of these. But here's where we get a little bit dicier, uh, and that's why we do all the concessions earlier in the show. But now the vaccine has come, and now Christ, the fulfillment of the law, has also come. That leads to the question, if you have been vaccinated against the virus, why would you go back to wearing a mask? And that's the question people are asking, and I think there are reasons that people feel like they would still need to wear a mask, and we'll get to those in a moment. And we'll deal more in part three about why Christians then, if we have been saved by Christ, the fulfillment of the law, that's the question that the apostles, especially the apostle Paul, continually ask the Colossians or the Galatians or anyone else in the early church. Wait a minute. If you've received grace through faith, why then would you go back to these old rules, whether it's dietary law or circumcision or stuff that the super apostle false teachers have made up? There's no reason to go back to those. You're in Christ. It is for freedom that Christ died. Therefore, do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. Yeah. So I, I think a lot of what the, the debate now centers on is the odds versus the stakes. So yes, we know no one would say that masks are 100% effective. Uh, even the N95 mask is because it's 95% effective, right? Or not, blocks 95% of certain particles. So even with that, there's still a chance that you could catch something, right? So now people say, well, okay, the vaccines are great, but it's 90, 95% effective. There's still that small chance that you could catch it. And, you know, Stephen, I have noticed a lot of headlines recently that's like, oh, uh, actually the most recent one was uh, uh, the talk show host Bill Maher, who was fully vaccinated and he still got coronavirus, uh, but apparently he's not gotten sick as far as I know. The vaccine did its job of not making him sick, but then there's the question of, well, could he still transmit it to someone else? And that's been the whole other set of headlines about, can you give COVID to someone even if you've been vaccinated and you got sick? So anyway, there, there's this whole fixation on the odds, but then there's the other side of, of the stakes. Well, if you uh, don't beat the odds, maybe your stakes are really low, but you could be living with someone where the stakes are very high. Right. So I have a couple relatives that cannot get the vaccine because of an allergy to one of the ingredients. And their, their doctor told them, you cannot take this. And so what are they left with then? They are left with all the same measures we've had to do for a year, the social distancing, the masking, the quarantining, all that kind of stuff. So then when I interact with these uh, relatives and it's this, that debate, it's the odds versus the stakes. And so I, I think where we're going with this in the spiritual analogy is, you know, now that we have Christ in our life, do we need to take all the same precautions that we did before, before we knew Christ? Do we need to apply all the same laws to the Christian life? Because the stakes are so high if we don't, but then it comes down to the odds. Is the law what helps me beat the odds of succumbing to the fate of, of sin? That's really important to bring up. And it also raises what I think is, uh, is the need to clarify that I've already mentioned this analogy is not airtight, uh, but switching metaphors, I think we might say that the analogy is, uh, has only a 95% efficacy. Uh, <laughs> there's a very important 5% that needs to be disclaimed there. For example, uh, I'm reminded, I mean, my goodness, uh, comparing on a Christian worldview ish podcast, 
the virus to Jesus has a horrible, uh, not the virus to Jesus, that'd be even worse, but the vaccine, there's a horrible <laughs> precedent. The Christ the Redeemer statue in Brazil, they just put like a big, uh, big display on it saying vaccine saves, which is technically blasphemy. I mean, wow. I don't know how you feel about giant uh, statues of Christ with his arms outstretched in a South American country, but putting vaccine saves on him in big, shiny letters, Yikes. that's not a great look. Uh, it definitely looks from here like idolatry. And maybe for some people, the statue is idolatry anyway. Statues of Jesus can certainly distract from the real Jesus. So if, uh, if, if you have the, you know, the symptom of getting nervous about you know, comparing uh, an earthly cure to the only cure for the worst problem of the human race and you personally death and sin and suffering, then yeah, you know, may want to skip this one. I uh, don't want to recommend people skip a fantastical truth episode, but uh, this, this is just meant to be a parable. Uh, it's meant to see these reflections of ultimate reality uh, in the comparatively smaller realities that we have going on uh, with the plague and with the masks and with, uh, with the, uh, the vaccine. Uh, in, in my case, yeah, we circled back to that question. You know, it is a question that lots of people are asking, at least in the United States. Uh, if you've been vaccinated, do you have to still wear a mask? And it was pretty controversial for a while because federal authorities were saying uh, up until a few days ago as we record this, well, yes, you have to wear a mask. There's still that 5% that the virus may not cover. You should still wear a mask. And, and yet lots of people, including myself, frankly, listened to that and thought, well, that's absurd. I, I, you know, the perfect has come if, uh, you know, to coin the phrase, you know, I, if I've been vaccinated or even if I feel like my risk is low of catching this virus and spreading it to others or suffering horribly or even dying, if I think my risk is low of that, then why would I constantly wear a mask? That was the question of a lot of people. Uh, now, of course, it's a little bit simpler because they've said, okay, you don't have to wear the mask anymore. But some people still want to wear the mask, even if they've been vaccinated. Mm -hmm. And that to me, because I have this issue of trying to find some meaning to something uh, in my own way, I look at that and I think, yeah, that, that reminds me of how people who, even if they do have Christ, if they have been redeemed in the gospel, they do want to go back to those rules I mentioned at the top of this episode. Do not handle, do not taste, do not touch. Uh, these rules, the Apostle Paul says, paraphrasing from Colossians 2, uh, have the appearance of wisdom, but have no value in restraining the indulgence of the flesh. In this case, I think the reasons are a little bit different. Uh, the vaccines don't always work. Jesus does always work. Coronavirus doesn't always kill you, but sin always kills you. But in this case, it flips just a bit. And the, the masks may still have a, a positive effect for some people, or so they think if they still want to wear them. Uh, for example, I mean, Zach, you've mentioned your story. There is a legitimate social pressure thing there. And, you know, you may have a legitimate health condition uh, that warrants more caution. And maybe that's just something that you know about yourself. Uh, you're an individual with individual needs. And so that's something that, that you need or you feel you need. And the feeling is still legitimate. You may feel fearful about others removing their masks uh, without uh, having been vaccinated. You know, maybe there's some posers out there that are going to take advantage you know, maybe they're going to use their liberty as an excuse for license, in other words. There, there's very much a debate with that of, you know, there's some restaurants now that say, oh, you can come in here to the restaurant. Uh, you don't have to wear a mask as long as you show your vaccine card. Yeah. And so, whoa. Mm -hmm. so, then, uh, so then a lot of people are like, oh, yeah, I, I am happy to show my vaccine card. I did the right thing. And uh, I'm glad you're enforcing that rule because I wouldn't want to be in here with people that are unmasked and unvaccinated. And of course, other people are saying, hey, wait a minute, this is a really private thing. This is an individual decision. I don't want to disclose that. I don't want to even talk about it one way or the other. My, my vaccine faith is a private matter. Right. <laughs> kind of the, there's a particular generation of Christians and even, you know, those who achieved high office in the United States who, uh, who said, yeah, that's a, that's a private matter. You know, my, my religion is like a, uh, like a nice uh, vintage car that I, I keep in my garage. I don't actually take it out on the road. And yeah, that, that kind of tradition is, is definitely in effect here too. And some of that is annoying, but some of it is also just you know, an aspect of, of a person's personality. I think a lot of this though, the whole idea of like, well, I'm just going to keep wearing my mask anyway. You know, maybe there's not a political motive there, but there is a motive uh, of tradition. Zach, you mentioned that you and Naomi spending some time 
uh, in Asian nations. And those are often cited as a, a, almost a jealousy perspective. Someone looks overseas and they see what seems to be a healthier society and they think, well, why can't we be like them? And they, they wear masks all the time. Well, why can't we do that? Well, there is a trade-off there, whether it's personal liberty or just the, uh, the, the human factor of seeing someone's face and not uh, first treating someone as a carrier of disease. I mean, that's a legitimate question. But there's a bigger issue, I think, uh, that, that we have been seeing, uh, and, and it can be a little bit political, uh, especially when you switch over to the Christian faith comparison there. And that motive is trying to be a big hero. That, I think, is where we do fall into or risk falling into a kind of legalism. And this in particular also uh, has applications for how Christians relate to fiction. And to illustrate, I'll, I'll actually quote a little uh, a thought exercise that I wrote. I'll e-cycle it. And this was from a, a Facebook post I, I shared, and I'll link to that in the show notes. Here's what I said. Quote, figure 1A. Even if the gospel removes from me all serious risks of catching evil, and even if spiritual authorities say you can practice freedom in Christ if you're in the gospel, I will still follow religious rules because if I don't, someone out there may be tempted to sin by enjoying false freedom without actually being in Christ. Figure 2a. Even if vaccines remove from me all serious risks of catching COVID-19, and even if government authorities say you can practice freedom to unmask if you are vaccinated, I will still wear my mask because if I don't, someone out there may be tempted to sin by enjoying false freedom without actually being vaccinated. End quote. I also had a few more examples there. It really is a parallel between even some of the Christian debates over uh, whether or not people should dress a certain way. Because if you don't dress a certain way, you're immodest. And if someone looks at you and is tempted to sin, then it's your fault. That situation maps almost completely onto the masking debate. It's a new kind of purity culture, actually. And there, I think, is where any of the legitimate reasons to keep wearing a mask don't apply. Uh, someone who says, well, I'm going to wear a mask because if I don't, someone may be tempted to sin. I'm going to do this because if I don't, someone will be tempted to sin. Right. That can drift very quickly into self-righteousness. You're not trying to be aware of your own weaknesses or the things that would tempt you to sin. You're trying to distract from that if it exists by talking about the other guy who might be tempted to sin. Now, if you're in an immediate scenario, like the ones you were describing, Zach, where you know someone might be tempted, or in other words, might stumble, uh, your freedom they would see and then think, well, I guess that means I don't have to wear a mask either. Uh, but they're diabetic or they're you know, 88 years old and have oxygen problems and they don't need to be going without that, uh, then yeah, you, you sh probably should wear a mask in that scenario. But if you're just talking to the air on social media and you don't actually know these people, you're just trying to signal that if you did know these people, you would certainly wear a mask, you know, a pure hypothetical, then I think that's a bit of a hero complex. And I think that's a rather, that's a rather dangerous self-righteousness about the masks and about any religious rules that Christians follow. Because right. if they don't, someone who may not actually exist might be tempted to sin. I think a lot of what this boils down to is we've become so accustomed to trusting a physical, present, ongoing practice of, of wearing a mask, social distancing, and so forth to stay safe from the virus. And now that we've been, those of us that have been vaccinated, now we are trusting something invisible that happened once in the past. And man, really, there is a, a very strong parallel there between the law and the gospel that the law is something that I can practice every day. I feel good when I, I've done something, I've accomplished it, I can see it, I, I can feel it, you know, it, it's very tangible. Whereas the gospel, I'm trusting in a past event that I wasn't even there to witness. I'm reading about it in a book, and I, I prayed to accept Jesus as my Savior at a, at a summer camp when I was 16. Does that still work? You know, or do I need a booster shot or something spiritually? And I, I think that it is exactly the same tension that we feel as Christians of uh, this is exactly what leads a Christian to fall into legalism of, well, I better keep practicing the things I did to feel righteous and to feel right before God uh, before 
I trusted in Christ's righteousness because I, I don't know how to trust in something in the past. But here's the fatal flaw in that is that if you are in Christ, that is a present reality. You are just practicing grace instead of practicing law. And I don't exactly know how to map that onto the whole vaccine thing, because again, it's it's not the same. No one would say vaccines are 100% effective, just like no one would say masks are 100% effective. But there is that same tension. And this is what Naomi and I have talked about a lot, because, hey, we've, we've been in situations where everyone around us was unmasked. Like, I'll just say it, this was at church. We went to church, almost everyone was unmasked. And we're like, oh, um, well, I'm not ready for that yet. <laughs> this is my first time in a big group. And okay, I'm going to take it off and try it. Um, that doesn't feel right yet. you know. And so th- I, I think there is that growth period where, where you have to say, okay, I'm not trusting in this mask anymore. I am trusting in the vaccine that I got one time in the past. And that is a weird sensation because you're used to trusting into something that you're doing, not something that was sort of done for you. And so I, I think, again, we, we have to give ourselves grace. We have to give other people grace. And then we also have to give people charity, like the people around us with, without masks on, you know, they've already gone through that process or, or maybe they weren't vulnerable to begin with and they didn't have to worry about those things. We can't have that ungraciousness in transferring back to the Christian life. Yeah, I, I think people that come to know grace for the first time, it, it is a slow transformative process of learning to trust Christ to make you right versus trusting in your own good works. Amen. That that will preach, that should preach, and it, it sets up very well the, the next big point that we have here. I, I would, would suggest that, I mean, it could be very easy to be legalistic against people who want to hold on to their masks. You could just sit there a bit self-righteously and say, well, that person isn't trusting in the science or that person isn't trusting in the vaccine. They just want to be a mask Karen, or they want to be some liberal or some manipulative person who just wants to control other people. I don't doubt that there are people like that, particularly those who are chasing clout or political power or just religious authority. Just like I don't doubt that there are evangelical or other religious leaders in Christianity and outside of Christianity that want to use mask-like rules, sometimes literally, to control people and gain power over them. That's how they get their spiritual fulfillment. That's how they think that they are going to be happy or fight their own sin or their sense of uh, bad self-worth or trauma or whatever. That kind of tyrannical impulse does exist. Uh, It is a problem. It is something that Christians and just plain citizens need to resist, but not everyone is like that. You know, we need stories like you just described about people who, as you said, just aren't ready for that. And there are many, you know, within the practice of Christianity, there are so many people who just aren't ready for some things. And that's where we connect it to that issue of fantastic fiction. How do we look at that as Christians? You know, there are There are viruses that we perceive in some kinds of stories that others may not perceive. We'll go ahead and arrive at our our third point here. Number three, how do we apply these real-life parables to the viruses we find in fantastic fiction? Because, again, the analogy does not hold. Even after Christ has saved us, we are still being saved. We are still weak in many ways. Uh, And one of our weaknesses is to the power of stories. Stories are strong. That's a big issue that we have at Fantastical Truth is not dismissing it as just a story, but realizing that just as the influence of human beings can be very strong, human imagination is powerful for good or ill, or more often a mixture of both. I think that's why we need to be Uh, so sensitive about the limits that people place on the fiction that they engage with, especially if they're doing this, not as a means of controlling others, but as a means of trying to stay healthy themselves. Not that Christ is only 95% effective, but if you want to make that example, maybe you're still still fearful of struggling with the virus. You know you're not going to die with it, but you sure would not like to be you know, laid up in bed for two weeks, having to quarantine from somebody, even if you know it's not going to kill you. Similarly, this is about sanctification. People using rules, uh, means, uh, I'm not going to watch that or I'm not going to read that. 
uh, as a means to to try to protect themselves and to grow to be more like Jesus. Yeah, and here's another story. After I hit my, you know, two week after the second shot, full immunity, I was like, great, I'm going to go have lunch with a bunch of people and, and just hang out all weekend with friends. And then uh, shortly after that, I got sick. <laughs> I got oh, a uh, sign. Right. I got a sinus infection, just a just a common cold thing. I actually had to get tested for COVID, and it was negative. But for about two weeks, I was I was feeling pretty crummy. I mean, nothing too serious, but uh, it, it was not a fun time. And so then, so then I was like, oh, maybe I should go back to wearing masks more often because I don't want to catch other viruses. Like I, I, you know, there's still the flu and and other stuff out there. Like that was really no fun. Again, in, in our spiritual life, we can do a similar thing of like, well, okay, I don't necessarily need to follow this uh, ritualistic practice to stay out of trouble in this area, but maybe I need some other rules and maybe I need some other practices to keep me safe. And when this comes to fantastic fiction, I'll tell you exactly what the struggle for me for several years was. It was reading fantasy after I came out of occult beliefs. So I, I was very attracted to uh, different beliefs in the occult, mysticism, new age um, as a teen. And then after I became a Christian in high school, a couple of years later, I'm reading Acts 19.19, where the um, it says that many who had practiced uh, sorcery gathered up their scrolls and, and burned them publicly and just kind of kissed that goodbye. And I thought, okay, uh, yeah, I need to get rid of anything that's uh, going to pull me back into that lifestyle. So I'm just going to get rid of I didn't burn anything. Don't worry, listener. Didn't have a big bonfire. Nothing interesting, but I just said, okay, I, I don't want these books anymore, including some fiction, including some fantasy fiction. But there were there were some books that I, I held on to. Uh, the Wheel of Time is, is the big one uh, that I've mentioned several times, but I, I didn't read those books for probably four or five years after that. So I thought, you know what? I may still fall back into some, some ways of thinking you know, my, in my pre-Christian life because of those books. And I'm just going to set a rule for a while. I'm not going to read those, but now I, I read those and it's fine. But I realized too, that like with science fiction, you know, I I've never really had a problem with science fiction leading me astray, but I totally get that people have that concern. Well, if I read stories about aliens, is that going to lead me to believe in evolution? Uh, is that going to make me swallow the idea that God didn't create man, that we just it's it's the what was Ken Ham say the molecule, molecules to man, because again I'm I'm a creationist and I I teach my kids creationism. I, we shared on our last episode. I I may be a little more towards the older side. Stephen's more on the younger side. But look, I believe God created everything, and so it, it supernaturally created everything. I I don't buy into macro evolution. So well, wait a second though. A lot of a lot of science fiction is based on this idea of evolution. So if I read that, am I going to get swept away by that ideology? So you, you can see how people have these rules against reading certain things, maybe for a time or maybe just a kind of an ironclad rule. And it can be really easy to trust that rule into fostering a, a Christian life. And I think that's what we're saying is that maybe you need that rule for a time. Just like when Naomi and I went to church, we're like, we're just not ready for this yet. Uh, the, the first time we went, or maybe you have to move past that rule and say, it's not about the rule. It's about Christ living in my heart. And that's what makes me righteous. Right. The, the rule itself, if you have a rule, uh, a mask, as it were, the rule needs to be custom made for you and for where you are at that time in your journey as a Christian. Whereas if you try to grab a mask that someone else used or a mask that some authority <laughs> figure gave you. You don't know where it came from. You don't know if it conforms to the specs. I'm really stretching the analogy here, just like the <laughs> elastic bands of the mask that go around your ears can be overstretched and fail to hold it on. Uh, if you're just taking up a mask that you found from some charismatic leader or some political authoritarian somewhere, maybe it won't even work. And you may not even need it if you have been vaccinated and you're not naturally vulnerable to that disease. Similarly, Christians may not need the masks that people spread around, uh, talking about how this is the latest, greatest mask that's going to protect you or going to protect your children. But also in particular, in, in an age where a lot more Christians, even more than usual, uh, suspect that the most spiritual kind of job is being a big spiritual influencer. 
either a pastor or a mommy blogger or a discernment uh, podcast host for that matter, someone like that may be trying to get you to follow a rule that you don't need. It actually is not a need that you have, but I think the sales pitch is, is that if you, whether or not you follow this rule yourself, if you say you follow the rule, then you too can be an influencer. So it's a bit of a spiritual pyramid scheme there. There are so many different systems of thought in Christianity, you know, relating to fiction and otherwise that purport to add something to the gospel. And this, of course, is exactly what the apostle Paul condemned in the strongest possible terms in many of his epistles. These things add nothing to the gospel. They are of no worth in restraining the indulgence of the flesh. You are saved by Christ, not Christ plus some Old Testament legal system, much less a legal system that people have made up. That's different from coming up with standards for yourself based on your own weaknesses, or even maybe, I dare to say this, but maybe even some traditions that you associate with your weaknesses. Like For example, I've often said before that I don't watch a lot of horror movies. Now, chances are, if I watch like even uh, a slasher movie, so long as it's not exploiting someone you know, without their clothes on or something, chances are I could probably watch a movie like that and not sin. But would it benefit me? You know, would it make me healthier? I don't know. Uh, other Christians may feel that way. You know, several authors, especially of Christian-made horror, uh, may feel that way. But as it is now, I just, I'm kind of on a course of not particularly caring for those kinds of stories. I, I don't see a need to get into them very much. And a recent example is, uh, and everybody knows I'm a fan of Zack Snyder's DC superhero movies from director Zack Snyder, and he just made a zombie movie, Army of the Dead. But per our episode last fall, I've already canceled Netflix. I've no <laughs> desire to get that back either. And no, not even Zack Snyder has tempted me back. I'm, I'm not a zombie <laughs> fan. And uh, even if the violence doesn't tempt me to violence or doesn't uh, kind of poison my imagination in some way, I'm disinterested because apparently at one point there's brief, strong nudity in a Las Vegas context and in a zombie heist context. And I've, I've no wish to see any of that. I think that even if I could look at someone without their clothes on on a TV screen and not be tempted, it still represents the exploitation of a human actor, whether or not they personally felt that way. I don't want to endorse that. That's, that's usually a hard no for me. If someone pulls something up on the TV and it says nudity, I'm like, nope, I'm not going to watch this. Uh, the, the only exception possibly would be anime, which can tend to be very exploitative. But in that case, it's someone drawing a picture, not someone actually having to undergo that scenario. Uh, that's my hard limit. Others have different hard limits. Some feel that they don't want to hear uh, particular kinds of vulgar words or abuses of God's name, even in a uh, story context. That doesn't bother me as much, but it would bother me if uh, the use of those words uh, tempted me toward anger and uh, ungodly emotions. Even uh, parents have issues. I remember growing up, people would have discernment issues with characters who had bad attitudes, you know, as your 90s kids who just thought that the parents don't get it, you know, it's your Nickelodeon <laughs> ethos there. Uh, I think, uh, you know, maybe at one point I thought, oh, parents are just being legalistic there. But bad attitudes are courageous. But maybe your eight-year-old doesn't need to be watching Bart Simpson disrespect his dad. And even acts of violence on a TV screen can wound people. They can be triggering for those who've suffered real violence, who often just prefer safer Hallmark-type movies. Have you ever noticed, like, some people who've had very difficult situations are the first people who don't want to see that kind of thing simulated on TV. Uh, they'd rather watch it, oh, uh, Love in the Holiday Gazebo on the Hallmark Channel uh, right around this holiday season. And I think that that makes sense. If you've been through that suffering for real, uh, maybe you don't want to repeat it. So acts of violence can also wound people or tempt them back towards uh, despair or something like that. And if you call that a mask, well, I don't know if the analogy really holds there. Uh, I think it's more like just a healthy precaution. Even if you've been saved from the virus, then uh, you're still, you, you don't want to go around coughing a lot. Uh, it hurts. Well, I think you're so right in that really this comes down to, are you taking the precautions, wearing the mask that, that you've decided for yourself that you need, or is this like a leftover mask that someone else kind of handed you or forced on you? And yeah, with, with fiction, you have to know yourself. And so two things you brought up there were, were violence and profanity. So I used to be a person that used a ton of profanity 
And then that was something God really worked on my heart in college. And in praise God, that's not really a temptation for me now. I'm not saying I'm perfect, but it, it's not something that I feel very tempted by when I hear profanity. Just kind of smile and, and I, I don't judge anyone, but I just don't partake in profanity t- to the best I can because it's just not something I really want to do anymore. And as someone who who you know writes articles for Lorehaven and, and writes uh, lots of things for um, in ministry context, you know I've just sort of trained myself that look, this is just not the language I want to use, and so it's just not part of what I want anymore. But let me contrast that to movies or, or stories with violence. You know, there's the the stories with like someone you know fighting the bad guys or, or fighting to save someone or fighting for his life. That doesn't really bother me so much, but there's a particular strain of that that does, and that's revenge stories. There was a Bruce Willis movie recently about this. There's the John Wick series. And, you know, I, I'll start to watch those and I'm like, I really, this is not healthy for me because uh, it makes me think of uh, just some people that have wounded me very deeply in, in wounds I've taken on in, in life. And I'm uh, just going to leave it at that. But it really tempts my imagination to go to a dark place uh, of, well, what if I did this to even the score? I have to kind of stay away from those for my my own sake. Now, is that a rule someone else has put on me? Well, no, because I, I have plenty of friends that love the John Wick movies, and I, I'm not saying I don't like them. I do like them, but I have to be very, very careful in how that affects me. So what is that saying about my salvation? Is is it not cover that? I, I think it just it just shows that I still have a weakness. You know, this side of eternity, my body has not been redeemed, that Although God has done great works in me and he still continues to do great work, I have vulnerabilities. I'm not going to totally get over this temptation, this side of uh, the resurrection. And so what I wouldn't appreciate is if someone was like, well, you have to like this story. Uh, you know, Just get over it. And I would say, well, I, I just no thanks. You know, like Paul says, like to, to those under the law became as one under the law to those Without the law, I became as one without the law. And so he, you know, he said, I become all things to all men. He would go in a different context, Jews or Gentiles, and he would meet them where they are. And not that he is under the law or that he is free to just disobey the law, but he would not put a stumbling block in front of people depending on the context. And I, I think that's how we have to be with not just the whole mass thing, but with, with stories, with the entertainment we enjoy we have to enjoy it with people who enjoy it and just kind of hold back on that, on that geeking out against with, with, with people that just aren't jiving with that story. Exactly. Which is, which is based in a present scenario. If you're in a room with people whom you know, whom you largely know, then you kind of get the idea of what is and isn't socially acceptable to talk about. Uh, what sort of person there might not appreciate hearing about this book you're reading or a story that you're enjoying. It may be because either it's not their personal preference and they'll just get annoyed, or maybe it's because you know of their tragic backstory. You know, maybe they have had vengeance issues. And so talking about this you know, vengeance story uh, that seems to endorse vengeance, it's not going to be healthy for them. That is important to keep in mind. Not so much that you are never, ever going to talk about a vengeance movie or watch a vengeance movie ever because someone out there might be tempted to sin. Like, well, I don't know that person, you know, and if it's a particularly niche sin, I don't even know if I'll know anybody who struggles with that sin. I think, come to think of it, and I'll bring us to a close with this, I think actually I realize that the analogy may be better. I've given a lot of disclaimers, but the fact is, is that even though sin is 100% fatal and Christ is 100% successful every time, you brought up that point, Zach, is that even though we have been saved, those who are in Christ have been saved by Christ 100%. He who began a good work will be faithful to complete it. We still have saving to go. We are still also being sanctified. Our experience mm-hmm. on earth as we move toward death, unfortunately, that is part of the process of finishing out the good work that Christ is doing. There are, of course, warnings in Scripture about tasting of the heavenly gift, but then not actually being saved. Like Christians of goodwill debate what that means, even if we do believe in eternal security or perseverance or preservation of the saints. I think the warnings are serious. And so we know that if we are in Christ, then even though we know we cannot be killed by sin, uh, we're not going to suffer in hell for it forever, we also want to work out that good work. So 
that doesn't mean wearing a mask all the time or going back to Old Testament law or dietary standards or the exact same kinds of uniform uh, fiction guards. But it does mean that there are going to be precautions that we take because we want to be like Jesus, not just because we're afraid of getting sick and dying, but because we don't want to suffer the setbacks of failing to take sin seriously. Christ has given us commands. We do obey him. He is Lord, not just Savior. And if we believe he's Savior, we will believe he's Lord and vice versa. So sometimes those rules make sense, but the motive matters. And particularly when it matters uh, is when we are applying those guidelines to ourselves, not just trying to apply them in general uh, out to everybody in the world or trying to become some big spiritual influencer because we think we have such special convictions. These rules are not convictions for everyone else. Uh, they are to compensate for our weaknesses. And that leads us to humility. We're not strutting about saying that we have the most godly rules and we're not going to read this kind of book or watch that kind of movie. We should approach that with a posture of humility. I, I've recommended movies or stories to friends before, and especially if they're new Christians, they'll say, well, I'm actually trying to avoid that one. Like a friend told me that about Batman Begins in, in 2005. I love Batman Begins. And right now, so does he as well. But at the time, he was trying to avoid it. And I respected that. I especially respected it because he knew that this was something he was trying to do because of a weakness he perceived in himself. He didn't think that this was some rule that all the super spiritual Christians should follow. And if you have a rule like that and you approach it like that, then I think it's a way for us to talk with one another. It's a way for us to build those relationships and train one another, whether someone uses that rule as a permanent guideline for themselves. Or maybe in a few years decides that, you know, it's like an old used mask. You don't need it anymore. I did get the vaccine after all. And maybe I can enjoy that story for the glory of God as we're moving toward our ultimate hope, uh, which is not in being healthy forever in a diseased body, uh, but in getting our salvation finished. Uh, that's not yet come. That is the resurrection. And after we have our new bodies, it will make no sense at all to either get vaccines or masks or have spiritual rules to keep us from sin because we will be made perfectly healthy by our great physician. Well, Stephen and our fantastic fans, uh, mailbag here, we've got a note from Meg who says, after our last episode about did God create aliens and would Jesus save them? She says, quote, I've been a fan of the podcast right from the very first episode, but this one really stands out as a favorite. I wasn't ready for this one to end at all. It was loads of fun, but challenging at the same time. It would have been really easy to present this topic in a way that cost you fellows all credibility, but you pulled it off and you did it with style, digging deep into scripture. I found it both thought-provoking and well-articulated. I'd already put a great deal of thought into this topic as it impacts my Wolf's Oath series, though not really apparent in the first book, not unless you pick up subtleties. Now I wonder if part of the reason I've been having trouble finding my footing again as a writer is because I have some additional thinking to do, end quote. Well, Meg, I'm so glad that we could help you um, think through the topic of aliens, uh, uh, exoplanets, the galaxy, and, and what God's role and, and uh, what God's plans are and all that is. Uh, yeah, I, I, I definitely hear you that this is a tough needle to thread that, that we, it's like there's so many things we have to kind of hold in tension and, and think seriously about, but at the same time, undergird everything with scripture. And we can't put that secondary, but Hey, you know, we're, we're, we live in a weird world, right? And there's a lot of weird things that happen. So how do we, how do we think clearly about the weirdness? So thanks for everything you said. And, uh, yeah, I'm glad that, uh, that helped you think through, sort of realize that you have a lot of things you got to think through as well. And, uh, to our listener, we would love to hear your feedback on, uh, uh, this episode or any other episode. So you can email us at podcast at lorehaven.com. Yeah, send us your uh, alien abduction stories, or if you've ever seen a <laughs> UFO, or if you've ever seen a picture of a UFO, if you've ever seen a headline about a UFO, or ever thought about a UFO, give us your feedback at podcast at lorehaven.com. You can also find us on Facebook. Just look for Lorehaven. Uh, Twitter, we are at Lorehaven. Nice, clean, and simple there. And then uh, Instagram, we are posting daily content there at Lorehaven Mag. Next on Fantastical Truth, we've already mentioned that I am blessed to be able to head to an event. Uh, don't know whether or not they will require masks. That is yet to be seen. I'll bring one just in case, but I will also be bringing my podcast microphone just in case there is any shred of downtime 
to get that out and talk to people. That would be fabulous if I could. We will, however, play that by ear. Uh, it is expected to be a big event there in Orlando at the Homeschool Conference, and we may not have time to do something like that. Either way, I look forward to coming back with stories about the types of people we met. This is not a writer's, a creator's convention. This is a convention of people who love these kinds of stories or who would love Christian-made fantasy, sci-fi, and beyond if this was presented to them. Rome Maker's Bookstore is wisely going to where they are and is presenting these stories to them along with creators of these stories, past and present. I'm blessed to join them as, so far, a nonfiction author, and I look forward to letting everybody in our, our listening audience of Fantastical Truth uh, know how that went in any recording time I can have uh, after I get back on Sunday. Meanwhile, regardless of your views on viruses, masks, and vaccines, let's just make sure we're not using those as symbols for the real things that we struggle with, the problems of sin, the interim solution of the law, and the final solution that is in Christ and salvation in his gospel alone as we continue to seek and find his fantastical truth. <laughs>